Hey everyone, I'm Alexa Golden. And I'm Haley Piper. And And together, together, we are the Gossip and Gratitude Podcast. Tune in each week to get a taste of what life's really like in your 20s. We'll be bringing you all the relatable gossip from getting dumped to landing that first job after college. So sit back, grab some wine, and let's spill some tea. Cheyenne is a 24-year-old with a penchant for expressing her thoughts through writing and amusing rants on her IG stories. With an eclectic style and a heart of service, Cheyenne helps women overcome post-grad life scaries and overcome perfectionism. On any given day, you can find her trying to maintain a zen vibe with tacos and tequila. Cheyenne fully embraces a lifestyle of both and, where two seemingly opposite ideas are combined to beautifully embody her experience. A proud proclaimer of all things sophisteratchet, Cheyenne holds space for those in her many circles to twerk and meditate, wear stilettos and sneakers, eat arugula salads and Kool-Aid pickles. You can check out her blog and her coaching services at amusingmillennial.com or check out her Instagram page, amusing underscore millennial. Um, okay, so we'll kind of just, I guess, get you to explain just a bit about yourself and what you kind of do, and then we'll get into the questions. Okay, cool. Um, so I am a millennial performance coach. Um, I help women in their 20s figure life out after college, um, whether that's post-grad scaries or just going through a regular old uh, quarter-life crisis. Oh, that's cool. Okay, I guess that's like, well, we'll get into that on how you even got into that because that's kind of crazy. I feel like when you reached out to me, I was like, this is so perfect. Yeah. I'm like, this is literally what I'm experiencing in life right now. So I feel like, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well, we'll start off with some gratitude moments. So we'll do ours first so that you can kind of get a feel for what <laughs> we do. And then we'll ask you. So do you yes. want to go first, Hills? Yeah. Okay. okay. So I'm turning 25 tomorrow. So <laughs> I came over here and, and Lex had like this big birthday set up for me. So I'm grateful for you doing that. That was so cute. It had like some white claws. I had like sad Nate cake. Like it was just like we had a moment. It was so good. But it was it made my day. So thanks, Lex. Wow. <laughs> hey, what are you grateful for? Um, I don't think I prepared this beforehand. So <laughs> okay, sometimes you just gotta yolo. You it. just have to come up with something on the spot. Um, I'm grateful. Actually, I'm grateful that your sister has a scrunchie business because oh. she her sister makes the best scrunchies ever and I literally wear them all the time and I would just notice because they're all sitting right over there but I have like the biggest scrunchie collection like it's a little bit obscene honestly no, how I many I have but they're just so easy to like throw your hair up when it's not yeah. looking cute shout out in the loop yeah. literally my basement like in my house it's like a it's just like there's scrunchies everywhere she's just sewing all the time it's kind of outrageous <laughs> it's <like a> factory <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's really cool I love that y'all all all do like very creative things it's so random though because like I like I feel like you've always been creative maybe since a child yeah but I feel like I'm like an accountant like who am I doing these creative (laughs) things so no my sister's like her so it's very creative as well but um so what am I grateful for today hmm This should not be hard for me because I literally do this every single morning. (laughs) Um, When you're put on the spot, it's kind of tough. Yeah. It's like, ooh, do I pick something, like, good enough? Like, how big of a thing do I have to be grateful for? (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) I'm grateful for pizza for breakfast this morning. Ooh, 
the best. Call girl. There's nothing better. <laughs> and it did have pineapples on it. <laughs> oh, oh, girl. Speaking of the right girl. My favorite. <laughs> I love it. Perfect. Pineapples, a barbecue sauce, bacon. Like, it was perfect. Oh, that, that sounds, sounds good. good. Now I want pizza. <laughs> Oh, that does sound good. That's a good moment. I don't think we've had that yet, so that's good. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> I like it, girl. Okay. Okay, so first off, how did you become a millennial performance coach? And I guess just how you got into that, because I think it's, when I saw that, I'm like, that's so interesting. Yeah. And I feel like it's so different. It's so niche, right? Like, I, I haven't met anybody else who does that, so it's super interesting. <laughs> um. So I got stuck in shit. Like, that. that's just, like, the short of it. Um, I graduated college in 2018 and was just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And like, I don't know like where I'm going. Um, Let me see. I moved to like my then boyfriend's mom's house, um, like right after college and like, she hated me. (laughs) So we were like, yeah, we gotta go. Yeah. Um, And I always wanted to move to Nashville. Like I'd had this dream since like freshman year of college. I was like, I'm going to Nashville after college. Like, I don't care if you come or not, but like I'm going. Um, And so like after the whole thing with his mom, um, he was like, you know what, let's just pack the truck up and like drive down there. And so when we drove down here, like I only had one job interview set up Um, and it was with a nonprofit for, um, like reacclimating formerly incarcerated individuals um, okay. into like society. And um, like I did the interview and it was like, okay, but like I wasn't really vibing with them and they weren't really vibing with me. And I actually didn't get extended an offer. Um, but I just had this one offer um, or this one like interview opportunity. And we came down here, like shopped for an apartment within a week, like got the apartment and um, like maybe a month or two later, I accepted this really low paying job at like a call center for an insurance company. And it was just false. <laughs> and I was like, this is what you had in mind for like graduated school, like, you know, glamorous kind of thing. Yes. And like, not to brag, but like, I'm such a boss ass bitch. Like in college, I was always that person that people were like, Ooh, like, what is she going to wear to class today? Or like, Ooh, what is she going to do? Like she has like all, she has like such presence. And so people were expecting me to be like, Oh, I am like accepting this big offer with this big firm, blah, blah. And I had nothing lined up. Um, so I actually like went to that job for like two days of orientation and (laughs) I was sitting there and I was like, you know what? I'm not coming back tomorrow. Like, I just can't do it. Um, And my partner was very upset with me because he was like, yo, like you have a job. Like so many people in this country, like don't have a job. Like, how can you pass up a job? (laughs) Like you really need the money right now. And I was like, it just doesn't fulfill my soul. Like, I don't feel set on fire. Like, I don't feel excited. Like, I don't feel any of the things that you're supposed to feel. Um, And so I was like, I'm going to quit. So I quit. And then like the next week I got an offer with a boutique PR firm and an offer with a tech startup company. Um, And I was like, well, I guess that was like the right decision for me. But um, going back a little bit, I started this blog like during my like three months of unemployment. And I just noticed that people were like reaching out, like asking me like all these questions, like, how are you doing the job search? How are you staying motivated? Like, how are you doing life and I was like literally 
this is so weird because I feel like I'm just like making it up as I go. Yeah. Y'all seem to think that I have some like methodology to this. So, okay. Um, so I created the blog and then like from there, um, I became a fitness coach through Beachbody. Um, and people start reaching out about fitness stuff. And I was like, well, maybe my path is with fitness. I don't know. Um, and then a couple months after that, um, I just noticed like, wow, maybe I do have a methodology for this like post-grad scaries thing. Um, and so I started working with a business coach to create a course, um, like a group based coach, um, excuse me. And so, uh, from there, that was just like how I became a a millennial performance coach. So awesome. Yeah. You kind of found your niche. Yeah. And I think that's so relatable too. Like I think so many people can relate to that coming out of school thing and just not knowing like what path to take as far as jobs and not wanting to just settle for like the first one that comes up. And I think that's definitely risky, but Mm -hmm. I feel like it can work out in your favor like it did with you. So I think that's really cool. I think that's huge too because like I feel like I'm the type of person that's inclined to just settle because I'm scared <laughs> so I feel like some like you always have to remember that there there might what well, might as well be something way down the other side that's way better than this like you can't just accept yeah what your fate is I guess but so you'd mentioned a couple times the post-grad scaries so what are your biggest tips for overcoming that One, what really helped me was gratitude. (laughs) Um, I practice gratitude every single day, and I've been doing so for almost two and a half years now. Um, Before, I would, like, go to, like, all of these, like, personal development workshops and, like, read these books. And, you know, all of the self-help books talk about, like, practice gratitude and, like, be grateful for, like, what you have right now in the moment. And it all sounds like bullshit when you're, like, stuck in your rut. Um, But it's so true, like practicing gratitude helped shift my perspective big time. Um, So at first, I just started writing down like at the start of my day, like 10 things that I'm grateful for. Now it's like, I don't do like a specific number. I just do like what I feel for the day. Um, And so it it changed over time. Um, But to get me like started out the gate, I started with like just 10 things every single day. Um, and keeping those 10 things like in the forefront of my mind throughout the day, like really helped me like have a guidepost or like something to look to when I'm like, okay, I'm still at this job that I don't really like. Um, I feel stuck with my current partner. Um, I don't really like this relationship. I don't like where my life is going, but like, I'm grateful for these things. And I know that I'm actively working to like rectify those things. So I would just say to, practice gratitude to start out. Um, and as you practice gratitude, you'll notice that you are becoming more positive and it'll help you, um, have a perspective of like, Oh, I can change something. I can change things for the better. I think that's huge. I feel like it is weird how it it slowly does change your perspective. Cause like, I kind of noticed that too, especially when you're feeling down and kind of feeling discouraged, just taking that, like, five minutes it can be and I know what you mean where it kind of feels like fluff where you're just like oh my god what is this self-help but I think it does like at least aligns your goals and your purpose of the day be like hey like snap out of it you have a you know you can be grateful for that thing that thing etc so no I think that is 
definitely huge, and we preach the same thing. I feel you. <laughs> okay. So I feel like a lot of 20-year-olds go through, a, like, definitely the quarter-life crisis um, where you're feeling lost and trying to figure out your identity. Um, what do you recommend for people in that kind of situation just starting out? Yeah, so on top of practicing gratitude, I say start your mental health care journey or your um, spiritual journey. Um, for me, they went hand in hand. Um, like I started both at the same time, kind of. Um, but you'll notice that once you have like your mindset squared away, then all of the other things will just seem to fall in place. Fair. Do you have any tips for that? Because I'm struggling <laughs> with <laughs> therapy. Go to therapy. Okay, yes. I feel you're, you're on the right track. Okay, I'm I'm on the right track then. This is reassuring. Oh my god. But do you do you like do you like a self help book? Do you like a like what's kind of your go to other than therapy, I guess? Um, yeah, I listened to a couple of self-help books, but I noticed that I, like, ruminate on, so I haven't been diagnosed with anxiety, but I, like, a lot of the symptoms of anxiety, like, I hella relate to, like, the ruminations and, like, the heart palpitations, the, like, oh my god, I'm about to shit my pants, like, that feeling. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I haven't been formally diagnosed, but, like, I have, like, all of those symptoms. And I noticed, like, a trigger for me is listening to a lot of outside sources, which is kind of ironic because I'm an outside source for a lot of people. Um, But listening to outside sources and then latching on to very specific things. So, like, if someone is like, ooh, you should be eating orange foods because they do X, Y, and Z. Um, and then like later on that night, like at dinner, I'll be like, oh my God, I don't have any orange things on my plate. And like that thought spiral will just start to happen. Um, so I do listen to self-help books, but like very seldomly, um, talk therapy has been tremendous for me and dance therapy, like incorporating movement into my, um, like care has helped like rewire my nervous system. Um, like even this past Monday, like my dance therapist was like, okay, we're going to stand up. Like, obviously we were all doing everything virtual, Um, but she's like, I'm going to stand up. And like, she did this like exercise where we just like rubbed ourselves for like five minutes. And at first you're like, okay, this is weird. I'm like rubbing myself in front of strangers. But in a second, like I noticed like, oh my God, like my heart isn't about to leap out of my chest. Like it doesn't feel like I'm about to poop my pants. Yeah. Um, my mind isn't racing like those two kinds of therapies like together have just been tremendous for me that's so interesting yeah. I kind of like hey, Tony Robbins like he always says like movement like I forget the saying but like it when you move your body it gets your mindset out of what you're currently in into another um like kind of changes your perspective and mindset and so I feel like that's so huge and even, like, I don't know who told me this. It was a doctor or a therapist. But when you're having, like, a panic attack, to put your hand, like, almost like an inch below your belly button, and you can catch a full breath. Because I know when I get panic attacks and I can't catch a full breath, if I put my hand, like, right below, it's, like, just below your belly button, I can get a full inhale in, and it's, like, life-changing. And it's weird that just by touching your body, your, your like, nervous system and your reaction just changes. 
so I totally understand where you're saying like dance therapy I feel like that's huge yeah so I think that's really cool I think that's cool too that you kind of like realize like what works and what doesn't because I feel like some people are like oh like other people find self-help books are so good for them so like it should probably work for me but I think it's important to like realize that the same stuff doesn't work for everybody yeah retweet <laughs> so I know we were talking earlier about going on like the half less traveled kind of not taking the safe route so I know for me that's kind of my path with being more of like a freelancer like more on the entrepreneurial path than just like the you know nine to five thing and I've struggled a lot with self-doubt and kind of that like imposter syndrome stuff so is that something that you dealt with and if so do you have any tips on that definitely look at yourself (laughs) (laughs) so I am queen of imposter syndrome like I deal with that so much like on so many different or I have dealt with it in like many different levels um a lot of times like in internships in college I was often the only black woman or the only woman in general um in a room and so I immediately would like start to panic like oh my god they're looking at me they're judging me um like if I speak up like I have to make sure that I enunciate my words and sound especially articulate um and so I started to like harp on these like thoughts like oh my god like I have to be perfect which goes into the whole other thing of like perfectionism a lot of this shit is just like sisters um sisters and cousins of each other like (laughs) you're dealing with the same beast but just like (laughs) you're dealing with the same beast but it's like in different like manifestations and so with imposter syndrome um I just had to own my shit like sit down, make a list of the things that you know that you are a boss-ass bitch at. Um, I don't know if you like that term or not, but for me, I, when I like look in the mirror and I like have to like have a come to Jesus moment with myself, I like look in the mirror. I'm like, okay, you're a boss-ass bitch. And I like tell myself like all of the things. <laughs> yes. I also like, even when I pray, like I, I swear, <laughs> Like, that's just my, yeah, that's just my thing. Um, God knows my heart. But, um, so, like, just make a list of the things that you know you own. Um, a list of the things that you know you're really good at and that you excel at. And so, once you are confident in those things and you're like, okay, I know that I'm an awesome graphic designer. I know that I can write copy really well. I know that I um, have the ability to connect with humans and, use my voice to amplify other people's experiences that may be, you know, afraid to say, this is what I'm going through. Yeah. I believe that's what you guys do with your podcast is like, like our, that is our goal. It's our goal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like you say, like all of the things that all of these other 20 year olds are thinking about, but like maybe they don't have the means and the capabilities to like have a platform or create community for other people. So just owning those things, um, will be tremendously helpful when you walk into those rooms where you may feel like someone else is like more qualified or they have more expertise or more experience in a specific area. Um, But also to build your self-confidence, what I found to be extremely helpful is to do what the fuck you say you're going to (laughs) do. Like a lot of times we break promises to ourselves. Like we set these goals or, um, 
a really popular one for me is like New Year's resolutions. A lot of people are like, oh, <laughs> I just always break all of my New Year's resolutions. Yeah. And so I just feel like I shouldn't even create them because come March, whatever, like they're going to yeah. be last year's goals. Yeah. Um, but if you create goals that you know that you're going to stick to, um, action items that are easy for you to follow through with, not only does it like bring you results, but it there's a, a neuroscience term called neuroplasticity, okay. um, which talks about the reprogramming of your brain. So it's basically how our brain helps us to break habits. When you do what you say you're going to do, it tells your brain like, oh, I am trustworthy. Like I am someone that I can trust. I am someone who handles her shit. And so once you program your brain that way and like continue to show up for yourself, then you're like, oh, like I did this like three month workout program, for example, or um, I completed this challenge with my best friend and I showed up every single day. And there you go. Like you build the trust in yourself and you'll notice that your self-confidence just goes up and up and up. Because I actually heard this before too, where like when you break promises to yourself, it hurts you so much because it like, once you build that trusting relationship and like, then you're, I feel like it, it gets rid of your imposter syndrome because you're like, no, I, you innately know, like you're capable of doing those things and you show up as that person. Like, I feel like it's huge. And I've been trying, I've been trying to do this and it's hard. Like literally if you're, I feel like it's so easy to be like, nah, I'll do that tomorrow. But then every time you do that, it literally is like tearing away at your self-confidence. I think it's huge. Like it's something you have to be mindful of literally every day at all times, which is Mm -hmm. definitely different. So I don't know. I feel like sometimes I'm a goal setter that I set like those outrageous goals. So I don't know. Maybe I need to get more like small goals in mind in the because. I feel like that's when it crushes your thunder, right? When you set those, like, absurdly huge goals. And then you're just like, man, it didn't turn out. I'm no good. Like, (laughs) this is a waste of time kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So recently, this has been a, in my journey of therapy, I have learned that I'm a perfectionist. And I didn't think I was, but I'm dealing with that right now. (laughs) So I understand what you're saying when you you say, like, they all kind of relate and build off each other because I'm at that phase right now. So do you have any tips to help deal with that? Because I'm like really struggling. I feel like I'm becoming extreme type A and I just can't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is so funny because like growing up, I was extremely type A and now I'm like so flexible and like such a hippie. Like it's so weird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But when I talk about perfectionism, I like to talk about the cycle of perfectionism because a lot of people think that it's just the like OCD, like the compulsions of, oh, I have to write this down three times, or I have to make sure that everything is like specifically at this angle. Like it's not that it's a cycle, sis. I'm like, I'm not a perfectionist. And then my therapist is like, yeah, you are. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, And it's so tricky to identify too, because we have this like stereotype in our head because of like what we see on the media or what we see with our friends on social media. Like we have this like stereotype of what perfectionism looks like you have to be the perfect perfectionist to be a perfectionist which is not true (laughs) yes I believe that 100% so I'm like ready for you to blow my mind (laughs) okay so the cycle the first step in the cycle is when you are like in this planning process and you're like 
oh, I'm so high energy. Like I know I'm about to knock this goal out of the park. And so you start to set these very lofty goals. Like I'm going to run a 26 K in three months. And you're like, I have like all of the energy. Like I know that I can do this as long as I create this perfect plan and execute it perfectly. Yes. And so the second step is when you're kind of just like, okay, I have this rigid plan. And like for the first week or hour or day or whatever, like for a little bit, you're like staying on that plan and you're executing it like very rigid. And I emphasize the rigidity of this plan because it's so crucial in a perfectionist mind to be like very regimented and like sticking to that plan. Um, And then in the third like stage of the process, you're like, oh my God, something outside of me happened and it is like shattering it's earth shattering so like something minor may happen like oh um like my dog had a a vet emergency and I couldn't get my my practice run in that morning so now I'm like oh my god it's the end of the world um when obviously you could just like do the run at like 6 p.m or (laughs) like do it at some point later in the day um, and then the next morning you're like, oh, like, I don't feel like doing my run, but like, I missed it yesterday. So like, does it really matter? Um, and so like, you start to like tear away at your own plan and start to self-sabotage away from that goal, which leads to the fourth step of the process when you are experiencing burnout. You're like, okay, I've done like all of these things, but this outside thing happened that affected like how I'm thinking about this goal. Um, and so you're just like, I'm just so tired. I might as well like not even follow through with the rest of it because I set this goal that I know is like super lofty. And then your brain starts telling you, well, you know, you can do it anyway. Like you suck. (laughs) Like just like you start talking really poorly to yourself. Um, and then the fifth step of the cycle is obviously when you just like drop everything and you feel super stuck so you're stuck in this rut and you're like oh I suck I don't know what to do my life is out of control um I have no friends (laughs) when obviously you do have friends and they care about you but you've like pushed everyone away no I think it's like really relatable I think yeah I think uh it's huge what you said how like you think like everybody looks at perfectionism as like yeah social media or the tv version where they're like they're the perfect perfectionist but I feel like nobody knows this cycle because I 100% feel this because I've been going through something of like, like learning how to have a good relationship with food. And I do this where I'm like, girl, you're going to eat healthy, healthy. You're doing good, doing good. And then I go to a family function and we have some wine, get a little crazy, have some dessert, whatever. And it throws me off. And then the next day I'm pissed at myself pissed at everything like why am I even doing this I'm like feeling at rock bottom and then I get mad at everybody in my life (laughs) it's like this spiral and like I I honestly feel you which is crazy because it almost like fuels the perfectionist fire too I guess it is a cycle because when you're at that low you become more obsessed with getting to that like high being like we're gonna be fucking perfect you know like Mm -hmm. oh I feel like this is Open your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's like something I'm in the middle of right now dealing with, and I think probably so many young people deal with this because there's there's so many like does outside pressures play into it too? I'd say because like I feel like there's so many outside pressures for you to be perfect, I guess too. So, 
I know a lot of it. Is it just an internal thing, would you say? Or would you say it is fueled by outside influence as well? I definitely think it is influenced by outsiders, um, but mostly it's internal. Yeah. Um, And I say it's internal because, like, once you listen to your Aunt Sally, who's like, oh, you shouldn't be eating that. Like, you don't realize it in the moment that, you know, she just, like, projected her own, like, insecurities onto you. Um, But, like, once you hear that, like, your brain internalizes it. And then later you're like, oh, I shouldn't be eating this. Like, and you don't even know where that thought came from. Yeah, it's true. Even, like, my therapist has been telling me a lot, too, about, like, trying to rewire this process. Because Mm -hmm. the more I do it, the more, like, it, like, innates in my brain. Which is crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Because what we don't address and what we don't call out, like, we reaffirm. And we just we kind of co-sign those things like okay you are accepted in this space like you are allowed to just like have free range um but like how do we get out of that cycle right it's kind of (laughs) how we get out of that cycle is by creating effort-based goals or striving for excellence um so when you're at the peak of the the perfectionist cycle when you're like oh, I have all this energy, I'm going to do all of the things. Um, You create these goals like striving for perfectionism. Um, And you just want everything to be strictly perfect, look exactly this way, be precisely this color, happen at this time. Um, Well, when you operate from excellence or from a spirit of excellence, um, you're saying and giving yourself the grace to, one, have mistakes, have slip-ups, but also just try your best. Yeah. Um, and not to get into the whole like participation trophy thing that like our generation gets <laughs> flack for, but um, to just show up as your best self and realize that you're human, like you're gonna fuck up eventually. Yeah. Um, and you might have fuck ups like every once in a while, but like that doesn't define you. Um, and so then your self worth doesn't become tied to um, producing things and productivity and like all of these external things that you are like giving to the world. Um, and a lot of people don't know how to create effort-based goals. They just know how to create quantitative goals that are just like, oh, well, if I have three units of output, then that means I'm productive. But if I have no units of output, then I'm not productive. Um, so really getting to the root of how to create those effort-based goals for what you want is going to be a game changer okay so give me an example of an effort-based goal because I think I need to like drill this home (laughs) (laughs) okay um I'll use my partner and I for example um so with this whole quarantine bullshit is so weird um we like started our relationship like right after my birthday so like right after like like the first week of March, somewhere around there. Oh, is when, like, goodness. <laughs> uh, so like, I just remember I went to Mexico for like four days or whatever, like on a whim by myself because I just like needed to escape. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm going away. And then I came back and then like two or three weeks later, they're like quarantine. Yeah. Um, and so he was like freaking out. He was like, babe, we need to like, be together, like, no going out the house, blah, 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 but, like, he's an essential worker, so he would have to leave, um, and so, like, for the first week, we were, like, chill, but then we had, like, a little spat, and so he was, like, we need some space. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We need some space. 
was like, okay, um, I'll manage, which is weird because I am like super independent and love my space. I love being by myself. Um, but like during that week, like I'd grown accustomed to like having him around. Um, and then, (laughs) um, we had our space and so like this whole quarantine, we'll spend like a week together and then a week apart and then a week together and then a week apart, which I know some people are going to be like, uh, like you are the reason that the curve is not flattened yet, but um, we've been very safe and hygienic. I promise. Oh, that's fair. Um, I believe you. And so, during this like quarantine, I realized like maybe we should like have check-ins, um, like at the end of every month or the beginning of every month to see like how we're doing, what we need to stop, start, and continue. Okay. Yeah, and so. One thing that uh, we both realized is that when we spend time apart from each other, um, I feel less alone. I am dramatic as fuck. I'm a Pisces. So. <laughs> Wait, what, what's your sign? Pisces. I'm, oh, she's I'm a Pisces. Oh, okay, okay, same. <laughs> Y'all are actually the perfect pairing. Like, my little sister is a Cancer. Um, and so, <laughs> like, I don't know. I just always vibe really well with Cancers. And when I see okay, Pisces okay. and Cancers together, I'm like, Power couple. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that. Um, but so I was like, yeah, we, like, whenever we're apart, I just feel so abandoned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right now, my boyfriend's away right now, and I'm like, <laughs> Like, yeah. literally, I'm just like, Ugh, I'm abandoned, and then you don't text me, and I'm just, like, freaking out, and I think that yeah. the worst has happened. Like, I don't think he's died or anything I'm just like it's like I'll never see you again say bye like and then it spirals same yes so um I was like how do we solve this problem like not crying but like being very dramatic but trying to be very level-headed like in the conversation he's like well maybe we just like start out with a phone call at the end of every night like five or ten minutes and I was like oh okay that's cool um But then, like, the next day, he, like, had to work, and he worked really late, and so um, he was like, oh, shit, babe, I forgot to call you. And then, like, it dawned on me, like, oh, I didn't freak out because he didn't call me, but we had, like, texted earlier in that day. And so Mm -hmm. the effort-based goal there would be having that sense of connection and not harping on hitting a target of, like, we have to have this phone call. If the effort-based thing is, or the, if the goal itself is to strengthen our connection and to have, like, an open dialogue communication between each other, then if we're texting throughout the day and I do feel connected and he feels connected, then we're achieving that goal um, from that perspective. But if we are looking at it solely like, oh, we have to have this phone call, we have to be texting at precisely these times, then... Yeah, not hitting that goal (laughs) from that perspective. I feel like it puts an emphasis on like the like what's actually important in the situation compared to like like when you're just hitting those quantitative goals, it almost takes out the like importance because it's like you're not really now hitting the goal of communication. You're just doing it because you sake of it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So that's huge. I feel like that is a big change in mindset. Like I, that's something I'm gonna really work on now because I feel like. I like that a lot because it's like you're you're achieving something, but it's just it doesn't have to be a set specific parameter, a way about it. So I think I think that's huge. I've never looked at it that way. So thank you for enlightening. <laughs> okay, well I guess we'll just finish up with the last question, 
which is what would you say is the biggest life lesson that you've learned so far in your 20s? I know it's a very loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've learned a lot of big lessons. I will say one, one big lesson that I've learned is that I can do hard things and not die. Because <laughs> I just feel like, I feel like when, like, old Cheyenne would look at challenges and be like, oh, my God, you're going to die. Um, and, like, figuratively, of course, right? But yeah, I would just, like, panic so much and be like, oh, my God, like, all of this shit is, like, hitting the fan. And I don't, like, there's this big mess in front of me. Like, I don't know where to start. I don't know, like, how to tackle it. Yeah. Um, and so I've learned to slow down a lot and look at things from like a, a higher perspective um, so that I can see like all of the pieces and then strategically put the pieces together. I think that's huge. Maybe it's like the water sign thing because like I do that even still where I'm just like, this is the end. I can't get through this. Like this is yeah. just too much. Like, and then you, you go to the, your per, like say your partner and you're like, you don't understand how hard this is. I'm not going to make it through. But then somehow you make it through. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I totally agree. Like, I think for me, I've really had to sit myself down and be like, okay, what's the worst possible scenario that can happen here? And then when you think of it that way, you're like, okay, well, that's actually not that bad. Like, if yeah. that happens, like, I would survive. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm learning that as we speak right now. So, <laughs> yes, it's definitely a process. Yeah, for sure. Also, trying to slow down, I think, is huge because I think in your 20s, you're so obsessed with like, go, go, go. You know, like, you're like, I got to hustle before I'm in my 30s. Like, I got to get all this shit done. Uh, like, look at that person on YouTube doing all that stuff. Like, I don't kind of think, and that can, like, spiral in. But, like, I think it's impressive that you've been able to feel like you've been able to slow down. And that's, like, one of my goals for the rest of this year. So, well, I feel like, yeah, we've learned a lot. Yeah, I've learned so much <laughs> to actually practice this yeah. perfectionism getting out of this cycle because yeah I think we've both been playing for sure yes I'm so good I'm so glad you know, we hope that everybody that's listening right now could take away what we took away from this and yeah. kind of get a sense of what you do and what they could get from um what like you're teaching so I yeah. think everyone should definitely check out your blog and your yeah. services and pimp yourself out yeah <laughs> pimp myself out <laughs> Um, you can find me on IG at amusing underscore millennial. Um, or if you're looking for a community of uh, people who are dealing with the same shit you are, look up Ditching Postgrad Scaries on Facebook. That's my Facebook community where I go live every week, um, answer questions. Um, we have theme days like Mindful Mondays where I'll drop in a tip like try to practice mindfulness this way this week or today um and then fuck fear fridays we talk about ways that we can do this to fear (laughs) (laughs) well that's so good yeah we'll also post all the fun spots that they can find you at yeah well thank you so much for coming on yeah and we hope that you get some new followers out of this and you can help grow the community and that other people are going to learn just like you did yeah